0: Merry Christmas, everyone. I'm Alexander Marlowe, editor-in-chief of Breitbart News and author of the best-selling book, Breaking the News. There's still a chance as you're listening to this if you buy it now, you can get it by Christmas. Amazing, amazing time we live in. And uh, first of all, thanks to all of you who have told 10,000 people about the podcast. It is doing very well on the charts, moving up in a lot of places. And that's all thanks to word of mouth and all thanks to all of you telling people about it. And I hope you continue to do so over the holiday season as you see family and friends. Um, today, we talked about President Joey and his utter failure to shut down the coronavirus as 2021 is about to become America's deadliest year on record. Yet the topic of conversation at least yesterday, from the Biden administration, is that you, yes, you, have been all wrong. The economy is actually doing great. President Joey explains, or gaslights, depending on your preferred nomenclature, the disarray in our inner cities has never been more apparent. Two Democrat politicians got held up at gunpoint in a 24-hour period in separate cities across the country. I give you all those details. Uh, Two guests today. Our Rome Bureau Chief, Dr. Tom Williams, checks in with us, and we discuss how the pandemic Christmas, another pandemic Christmas, is playing out across the globe. And we both recommend that the new year might be a perfect time for you to recommit to daily prayer or at least reading some scripture Uh, Certainly, I think, called for and helpful in uh, a lot of your lives, including mine. As an added bonus, Dr. Tom also takes a shot at Dr. Fauci and the friendly fascist at the NIH, Dr. Francis Collins, which was unexpected and enjoyable from my perspective. Uh, Mark Morgan joins me, who ran customs and border protection under President Trump to explain just how bad the situation is at our southern border But he does bring a small amount of good news as certain Americans are not waiting for the Biden administration, the federal government to give them permission to enforce our laws and uh, all that to come on the broadcast today. But before we begin or go any further, I do want to talk to you about American Heart for Gold. Uh, They are a great company and they're coming in at the right moment because all of you've noticed. Everything is getting expensive, and that's not going to change anytime soon. Biden inflation is here. It's not going anywhere. If this is the biggest economic crisis since 2008, and the government continues to print trillions and trillions of dollars, and the consumer prices are the highest we've seen in 30 years, I mean, maybe longer. If the government continues this out-of-control printing and spending, the dollar could continue its freefall and lose its coveted role as the world's reserve currency. So how do you protect your money, your retirement, your savings? Well, American Hartford Gold can show you how to hedge your hard-earned savings against inflation by helping you diversify a portion of your portfolio into physical gold and silver. They'll even help you move your existing IRA or 401k out of the volatile stock market and into a precious metals IRA, and they make it easy. They're the highest rated firm in the country with an a rating from the Better Business Bureau, and they have thousands of satisfied clients. And if you call them right now, they will give you up to $1,500 of free silver on your first qualifying order. So don't wait. Call them now. Call 866-670-7660. That's 866-670-7660 or text Alex to 65532. Again, that's 866-670-7660 or text Alex to 65532 for American Hartford Gold. President Joey said that he wished he had thought about ordering half a billion of the new Pfizer coronavirus pills, which have just been approved as of yesterday. It's a big deal. It could be very helpful. Though I'm sure many of you won't take it because you guys don't like Pfizer. I get a lot of calls every day Say that you guys say I don't like Pfizer. So uh, I wonder if you would be willing to take it. Maybe you would. Maybe it's okay if it's not a vaccine. Um, I'm all ears. To any of that. Because I want, I I would like for people not to be sick. So I don't like big pharmaceuticals. But uh, I don't like a lot of big business. I don't like big Wall Street. I don't like big Hollywood. Andrew referred to it as. So I don't like big sneakers. So unfortunately we got to use some of these products. So Pfizer's got a new COVID pill out. And Biden didn't think to order a lot of them ahead of time. It just reminds you of Operation Warp Speed. Which is again one of President Trump's triumphs. Um, One of the reasons why we got the vaccines as fast as we did is because Trump made the brilliant move of buying tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of of doses before the pills were even um, fully ready to go. And this decision assured the drug companies that they had an opportunity to come up with some sort of a medical miracle without having to risk their whole piggy bank. They didn't have to bet the farm on these vaccines that they would be able to do enough R&D and get the facilities ready to go to do, to produce enough of the vaccines if they worked, um, that they were basically betting with government money. Which is, if it failed, it could have been pretty bad, but it didn't fail, it worked. And then we got vaccines at a pretty ra- a rapid rate and have done a lot of good to save a lot of people, which would be an incredible legacy for Donald Trump as time goes on. So... Uh, Biden didn't have that presence, so now we do have a COVID pill. kind of uh, uh, jumped on all of us at once. And now all of a sudden we have one from Pfizer. could be great, but uh, uh, producing it and distributing it is going to be slow because President Joey was you know, taking a nap or whatever. He's looking older by the minute, by the way. This is from, he did an a- interview with ABC, uh, ABC World News Tonight with David Muir, and uh, he looks uh, like a skeleton skeletal is the expression he looks skeletal big joey doing a bang up job um because the economy is struggling so much right now which it is uh big joey has now taken to just telling you that the economy is going great let's play
1: a cut two please haley and delivery times this season for fedex ups and the U.S. Postal Service are faster than before the pandemic, even as Americans have purchased a record amount of goods. This is in part due to the progress we've made at our nation's ports, which are now moving historic amounts of goods. You know, after working with our administration, the ports of Los Angeles and Long Beach have nearly cut in half the number of those great big containers you see sitting on a dock for more than eight days. This is striking progress since November. In fact, right now, the number of containers moving through our ports is higher than ever. It's because we've sped up, we, because when I sat down and talked with the folks running the ports and the longshoremen, they agreed to speed up every step in the process. The ports. So
0: how many of you guys didn't get everything you wanted this year for Christmas? I didn't get the thing I wanted most because it's probably sitting on a port somewhere. I mean sitting on a um, ship somewhere outside the port of Los Angeles. And then they moved, of course, all of the ships uh, over the horizon so we couldn't keep getting photos of it to prove that Big Joey was incorrect about this. So he keeps touting what a great job he did, but so many people did not get are not getting what they want this year. And maybe was it as bad as our worst case scenarios? No, but it's the United States of America. It's a we should be able to get what we want to get. I was doing some last-minute shopping yesterday. I'm a last-minute shopper, I admit. I'm not a Pete Buttigieg guy where I'm doing my shopping for Christmas 2022 in summer 2021. That's not me. I mean, Pete wants us to be that way. But we all can't be as gr- as great as Father of the Year Pete Buttigieg. So I was doing some last-minute shopping. I was going through my list, and there are a couple of things, pretty simple stuff. Um, items, for example, I found an item that I wanted to get my pop that I got myself this year and can't get it, can't get in time. They give me some sort of random two-week window, month out, where I can get the product. Okay. What if it's on one of those ships? Might be. One of those types of products I wish we made in America, but we don't anymore. All right, Big Joey goes on. Play number three.
1: Months ago, I saw oil production wasn't keeping up with the demand as the world started to get moving again, which could drive up prices at the expense of our consumers. That's why I work with international partners to coordinate the release of oil from our oil reserves and theirs. Now, gas prices are coming down more than 10 cents a gallon nationally. Gas prices in 21 states now are at their historic averages before the pandemic, historic averages. That's good news for Americans hitting the road this week. Well, the problem
0: is here, Big Joe, is it went up for a, a dollar on average. So if they're coming down ten percent, I mean, or ten cents after going up a dollar, that's still a lot of pain for people at the pump. To use the old-timey media expression of pain at the pump. I mean, it is just it just would this get would you get away with any of this in your life if your productivity, you know, at work dropped? 25% but then you were in, able to increase it you know 2.5% from your 25% drop from there like, would you get away with that telling your bosses that you, we are we are big Joey's bosses and that's what he's telling us uh, it is such a it is it is remarkable to me that only with a totally irres- irresponsible press could he get away with these arguments gas goes up a dollar we're all feeling it we're going to the pump and spending more, unless you are the type of person with an electric car. Um, and then maybe it drops 10, 10 cents from there, but I I can't tell. I filled it for one hundred eight dollars two weeks ago. I don't know this weekend. Maybe it was ninety nine dollars. I don't know. There there it is. There's your, there's your ten. There's your ten cents. Great. Is that good? Is that what you're supposed to be doing when you're at the the gas pump? And he still won't let us drill, baby, drill. I had a great interview with Sarah Palin over the week in the Turning Point USA America Fest, which we will roll out. I, I accumulated a bunch of incredible interviews. We're sitting on interviews from all sorts of incredible people, really interesting folks. Um, and we will have those for you. And some of them will start rolling at brightboard.com and on this show and on the brand new podcast that I hope all of you get when you go to your Christmas gatherings. Uh, By all means, recommend it to 10,000 friends and family members. Really appreciate that. We'll have all that for you uh, uh, coming up. Um, But that is just the the true definition of gaslighting. All right. He touts his economic accomplishments also. Let's play cut four. Go for it.
1: In uh, the end of 2021, with what one analyst described as the strongest first year economic track record of any president in the last 50 years, nearly 6 million new jobs, a record number for a new president because of my staff and my cabinet. Unemployment down to 4.2 percent, three years ahead of the predicted time it would take to get to that number. Applicants for new small businesses up 30 percent compared to before the pandemic. And the fastest economic growth in nearly 40 years. There's more as well. Today, America is the only leading economy in the world where household incomes and the economy as a whole are stronger than they were before the pandemic, even accounting for price increases. So the it, it, Big Joey would suggest to you that this is because of him. This is despite
0: of him. First of all, all of these numbers, you can grade this on a massive curve because we're all comparing it to the pandemic. So of course we're going to have you know, historic levels of growth and jobs created because the government told us all, you're fired last year, and by all of us meaning huge chunks of the population, that you're out of a job, go home. You cannot work anymore. So a lot of those numbers are purely, purely born of the fact that we're coming out of a pandemic and it's laughable that he would suggest that he has anything to do with them. But a lot of the comeback that we're having is because so many Americans are not listening to him and Dr. Fauci Uh, that we all need to shut down and have segregated Christmases and to put our masks on inside. And a lot of Americans are just ignoring Omicron. They don't care about it. they It burned out on the media's insistence that we all need to be obsessed with the coronavirus, and a lot of them are going back to work, and they're starting small businesses because they see stuff, like they see, you know, D.C. going back under mask mandates. They have the highest coronavirus cases per capita in the nation. And then they look at Florida with some of the lowest, not the lowest, they haven't amassed in over a year. So they've stopped trusting some of these people. And if there is any economic improvement, it is because there are so many people who are starting to ignore Omicron and the media is acting like this is a big surprise. John Nolte has a piece on this um, that you can read at Breitbart.com. Clueless media shocked America tunes out Omicron's ominous threat. Yeah, right, exactly. It's a, they told us all to be scared before the death toll came in. They told us the hospitals are going to be overwhelmed despite the fact so many people already are vaccinated and the symptoms for Omicron are already, are are comparatively mild compared to other variants. The good news for y'all is that the American people are not buying Big Joey's spin this Christmas. They've given him a lump of coal in 45 states. Forty-five states, he is seeing his approval rating underwater. And California and Rhode Island are on a knife's edge. So only five total states is Big Joey. According to a civics poll, is he doing well? Hawaii, Maryland, Massachusetts, Vermont, Rhode Island, California. That's six. Maybe we miscounted. Are we including Puerto Rico here? So maybe we miscounted. Maybe it's 44 states. in Breitbart. Um, With California and Rhode Island only by a margin of 2%. Do you think it helps when you've got people, when you've got him telling us how great everything is, when we couldn't get the stuff we wanted, and we're still getting hammered at the pump, and we're all getting poor by the minute, the Biden inflation? We also have a big story yesterday on uh, talking to Americans who are flocking to Florida. They like law and order. They like freedom. They like fun in the sun. That's where they're going. And they don't. you don't see as much stuff like we saw yesterday, which is a truly amazing. An Illinois Democrat Senate leader, a person named Kimberly Lightford, got carjacked, Democrat. CBS Chicago reports. Police said around... 9:45 p.m i guess this was on tuesday three masked individuals driving a dodge Durango carjack lightford as she was driving a mercedes-benz suv in the 2000 block of south 20th avenue along with her husband carjackers fired shots during the attack but lightford and her husband were not injured according to police so that's what's happening in chicago And then the House Democrat, Mary Gay Scanlon, was carjacked at gunpoint in Philadelphia. Representative Mary Gay Scanlon, you guys sitting down? Democrat from Pennsylvania, was carjacked at gunpoint in Philadelphia, was left unharmed on Wednesday, her office said in a statement. Local ABC reports that Scanlon was walking to her parked vehicle and was approached by two men driving a dark-colored SUV, both men who were armed. Demanded the keys to her vehicle, police say. They took off with her blue 2017 Acura MDX. Um, and they give the license plate. And it was last seen driving uh, westbound. So, Democrats in dangerous cities. No law and order. Much of their party likes to fund the police. Two car jockings in 24-hour period. Wow. Americans, thankfully, due to talk radio, conservative media, etc., uh, they're, they're, this is not lost on them. The divide between the people who have completely melted down over the pandemic and those who have tried to deal with it sensibly, the divide between those who want to defund the police and those who believe in law and order. Lori Lightfoot, who ha- is presiding over an even more chaotic Chicago than usual, a place where law and order has gone to die, Uh, Are you guys aware of this expressway shooting that has been taking place in Chicago? Uh, This is a truly horrifying thing that we've been reporting on at Breitbart. There are hundreds of people who have been shot. I want to pull up the exact article. To over 230 shootings in Chicago on the expressway thus far in 2021 in total, A.W.R. Hawkins writes, that uh, that A- NBC Five has reported that 233 total shootings um, have occurred this year on I- on Interstate 57 in the South Suburbs. 128 expressway shootings in Chicago. People literally, literally getting shot on the expressway. That's the, the that's where they're getting the. That's where people are getting shot, like all on the road. Um, she needs federal authorities for this because of the flow of illegal weapons. She wants to reduce violence. She's held a public address on this as well, trying to figure out how, a way to address it. Well, maybe no more to fund the police stuff. Maybe start telling the truth about where the crime is coming from. So more on that at com uh, if you want more information. But what is she pivoting her focus to right now? Where is Lori Lightfoot, the great Lori Lightfoot of Chicago? Where is she going? She is pivoting her focus to drumroll, please, vaccine requirements and mass on public transportation. That's your plan. She's focused right now on making sure everyone's vaxed and masked. Vaccines in restaurants, bars, etc. That's what's coming back. You know, why do you think people are fleeing to Florida? People getting shot in the highway, and her priorities are making sure you're vaxxed up. Uh, if you want a Chicagoan hot dog, those those you get in the street, though, you might not have to get a vax to get those. Maybe if you want to eat it inside, it's cold right now in Chicago. H- how is the media going to deal with the fact that Xi Jinping says the pandemic's not going to end? I'm just wondering. Are they going to still tell us that if we just mask up some more without any standard of when we can take it off and we just vax up some more that we can somehow end it even though we're not going to restrict travel from all over the world which will not be ending the pandemic? One more economic thing that's pretty interesting is that Big Joey is going to pull a 180 and he's going to reverse his student loan forbearance plan. So he suspended student loans which I thought was sort of a no-brainer. It's a gift to people who are mostly in that middle class it really does pay most of the taxes for the the country and um a lot of them these people are democrat voters people who got college degrees and this was supposed to be a temporary stay but we at breitbart me and john carney kind of thought well he might keep this for infinity because this is a backdoor forgiveness without actually having you the forgiveness you just do the forbearance you suspend it and he said a few weeks ago he was going to make people start paying back um, their, their their loans, which they haven't had to pay since the pandemic. These are the federal student loans, and thought that was kind of a crazy idea. The economy's not doing that great. This would take money out of the economy, put it back into the government, but then the Biden inflation kicked in, and then he said, "Okay, we want your money," because that would be taking money out of the economy and putting it back into uh, um uh, into the government, and this could have a small impact on inflation. It almost certainly would. But apparently the economy is on such shaky ground he's not as worried about the Biden inflation he's more worried about the fact that his polls are probably in trouble and he doesn't want more people grumpy with him. Isn't that something? Because he took a lot of heat from the left including Pete Buttigieg's husband the great Chasten. And that's where I go for most of my politics. Buttigieg's 29 year old husband. Um, so he didn't like it and a lot of Democrats didn't like it either. So Big Joe he flip-flopped. Did you know that there's a conservative advocacy and benefits organization with more than 2 million members and counting? It's AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. AMAC has become one of the most important conservative organizations in the country. Joining AMAC gives you access to money-saving benefits, cutting-edge news, and a magazine full of insightful takes on today's most important issues. But most importantly, AMAC is working tirelessly to preserve the freedom secured by our Constitution. With a full-time presence on Capitol Hill, AMAC is pushing back against the efforts to defund our police, weaken our borders, and replace your freedom with government controls. Stand with me and over two million patriots by joining right now at AMAC.us forward slash Breitbart. That's AMAC.us forward slash Breitbart. The benefits are great, but the cause is greater. Join today at AMAC.us forward slash Breitbart. Our first guest today is Dr. Tom Williams, who really is a pro, uh, one of the best Vatican journalists uh, anywhere around, and also is a good commentator. In his own right, we check in on what's going on in Rome, what's going on with the state of Christianity across the globe as we head in towards Christmas, and uh, perhaps a little bit of advice that hopefully some of you take, and uh, I think you'll benefit from it. All that to come. Let's play it. Dr. Tom, Merry Christmas to you. Uh, Let's talk about Christmas in general, and then I always like to get an update on uh how your beloved city and my beloved city of Rome is doing which is never never great since the beginning of the pandemic uh, for, for 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 different reasons you never give me a great answer for this uh over the last year and a half um but first of all let's talk about christmas around the world uh, how is it different this year from last year and how is it uh, different still i guess compared to pre pandemic a- any positive trends or are all kind of negative what are the big trends
2: well, I, I got my first really positive uh, kind of spiritual news that ties in with Christmas just a couple days ago uh, that I really didn't expect, because I just had bad news after bad news after bad news of people leaving the church, people leaving the faith, people separating themselves. And uh, I was I was speaking with a priest who works down in Louisiana, and he said there have never been so many new vocations in the seminary. Uh, men and women both going into religious life uh, people approaching the sacraments again He said there's been a real boom so it was a nice nice shot in the arm to hear something positive that's happening spiritually when there's so much negative news um, about you know people's withdrawal from this uh, but I think Christmas in general you know it, it's it every year is the same in a way and every year is a little bit different. It's the same in a way because there's always that tension between, the more commercial aspect, just the, the frenzy of activity and gifts giving and, and getting get togethers and things, and then trying to make a little bit of space for the one who's actually being celebrated and the reason for the season. So I think that that happens in people's individual lives and it happens for us as a, as a culture and a society as well. And we live that, you know, you live that certainly in the United States, which is still by and large a Christian country. You live it very much here in, in Rome, Italy, where I am, uh, a post-Christian country, if you will, but still very much culturally Christian. Um, so I think, you know, it's always a challenging time. It's challenging, again, at the individual level to to make sure that we, we stay focused on what's actually happening. Um, and I think it's also our job as communicators to help other people to live it as fully as they can, too.
0: Uh, one thing I was thinking about, Dr. Tom, is that it, do you find that there are people who have come back to the faith or perhaps have— put more effort and more time into their faith through the pandemic or do you think that it's been it's hurt the cause because I know for me I had this sort of cycle personally where I did find myself kind of wasting time on social media and I'm a big advocate for people to get away from social media and uh, eventually I kind of disciplined myself to stop doing that. And what I replaced it with is a, is a, a more regimented um, uh, the reading of the, of the Bible every evening. And and that was something that I think has really uh, benefited me. It benefits my outlook. It makes me happier uh, during the day. I think that I can't be alone in this, but maybe I'm in the minority. Is there any data suggesting that anyone's had maybe a similar process or uh, it's still it's still my recommendation for everyone in the audience but any any thoughts on any of that
2: well th- first of all thank you for that that sharing that testimony because it's 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 meaningful to hear somebody that you look up to who is doing this sort of thing and i'm sure that our, our listeners are thinking the exact same thing uh the statistics that i've been able to see unfortunately don't look great there are yeah there
0: are anecdotal I was of that.
2: cases of 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 people coming back to the faith and and this kind of good news. But it seems to me from things like the Pew Forum and and other groups that have done some of these, they're basically based on polls and surveys, but they look more negative than positive in the sense of actual like attendance at church and things like time dedicated to prayer. Uh, It seems like you are, unfortunately, in a minority that you have devoted more time to prayer rather than less time. Uh, during the pandemic and and you'd hope for it to be otherwise because people do have more time on their hands You think that you know, you could put it to really good use, but unfortunately it seems that 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 is the minority that actually does that
0: Yeah, and it, it took me a while to get there there was definitely the first step was wasting more time on on computer And then when I realized I was making me less happy Then you do have to discipline yourself to just have a clean break from certain things Um, But, you know, you just get a couple of weeks going, folks, and then you can get you could develop habits. The first couple of weeks are painful. But after not not not, this is not a particularly painful habit of reading the Bible, Dr. Tom. But you know what I mean? If you're just starting exercise or, you know, uh, nightly reading or doing something that you even if it's uh, pursuing some sort of a pastime that you wanted to um, pursue again that you've left behind. All that stuff just fight through for a couple of weeks and then it just becomes part of your routine and then you're better off for it so just just a life recommendation no, you're, 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 you're
2: absolutely right about that and right now is a perfect time because I mean everybody as we hear New Year's thinks about New Year's resolutions and so many right. times it's about dieting and exercise but to actually include goals that are more spiritual in nature as you say that'll actually make you happier than getting in better shape I mean if you get your spiritual life in order You know, there's there are a few things like that to really inject new life into your life. So, again, I just think that's that's fantastic. And and it's a good moment for people to be thinking about this at two days from Christmas.
0: Yeah. Thanks, Dr. Tom. So uh, let's talk a little bit about um, the Christmas around the world as we head in towards more lockdowns. And this is one thing that the world is not have unified messaging on this. Um, uh, uh, Dr. Tedros is being somewhat optimistic in some ways, even though he says for the unvaccinated, you're basically all uh, doomed to die. Uh, Xi Jinping is suggesting we're gonna have the pandemic all the way through next year. Uh, London is going back under lockdowns. Rome is bringing back outdoor masks. And then in the United States, you've got places like DC, which is bringing back masks, even though they have the most cases in the country and they had a lot of masks to begin with. And uh, but Biden saying no more lockdowns and then Florida has been open the whole time and everyone seems to be having a great time over there. So it's hard to follow.
2: It it is hard to follow, but I'll tell you, I've never been more thankful for our federalist system in the United States than I have been during this pandemic when you actually have options when you actually have models that look different instead of one blanket policy imposed on, on a nation and it allows people to experiment allows people to you know prioritize according to what their people want you know it, it, it honestly personal health is not the only value in human life it's not the only component to the common good it's not the only way right. that people value and so it's it's been great to see this um I'm actually very frustrated here right now. I mean, as you as you mentioned, today, at midnight last night, uh, we went into an outdoor mask mandate. Although, honestly, I was out this morning knowing that we'd be talking. I went out to St. Peter's Square, went to the Vatican. I walked around. I looked at the crashing. And I just decided I was not going to wear a mask. Not, not really rebelliously, but just I wasn't going to do it. And nobody stopped me. Nobody said there were cops everywhere. And I noticed a bunch of other people not wearing masks. They were just walking around. Again, they weren't in anybody's space. So I'm also thinking that you know, a lot of the, the security forces and people are a little bit over this and they think it's a political maneuver, which it is. And so what I'm hopeful about is that maybe the enforcement level will be inferior to what it was during the, the really serious lockdowns back in early 2020. That's, that's kind of my hope right now, seeing what I was seeing today on the streets.
0: Yeah. And I think these cultural experiments are good and it's okay to be a little rebellious. I I did a little bit of, um, shopping yesterday and I went to a few spots. Uh, I went to a Lowe's hardware store. I went to my beloved Jimmy John's. Um, and and no one made me wear them. And it's a, the, I live in an area that's in total Omicron fever and it's still, it's just people, people get it. It's not, it's. The, 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 I think people have made their choices on the mass, and I don't think the uh, lower-level clerks are all, they're not all hell-bent on enforcing the rules. Some of them are, um, but I think a lot of them are not, and they're content to um, let people live in some ways. Um, the Vatican says the children are the most vulnerable victims of the pandemic, Dr. Tom. What does that mean?
2: Well, actually, I found it kind of heartening. Uh, the Pontifical Academy for Life yesterday put out a rather lengthy statement uh basically saying that children have suffered more than any other group and obviously not health wise. This is not because they've been getting sick and dying. They've they've suffered mostly because of school closures and the lack of contact, social contact with other kids, um, the lack of formation that you get at school, the lack of that regular, stable life when you're going out every day. And they've suffered mentally more from the lockdowns than other groups, especially they're talking about adolescents. And you know, it's a little late to be talking about this. Now this is something that you know you and I have discussed before. It's on a lot of people's minds. But there are a lot of things, again, that are fallout, negative fallout from the measures that have been taken. This is not from the, the virus itself. This is what, what human beings have done to curb the spread. That's what has caused this thing. So to talk about kids as the, the most vulnerable group and the most affected by the pandemic I thought was – a pretty helpful statement uh, to come out, even though, again, it's a little late, but better late than never.
0: I I actually do mostly agree with this. It is, uh, but the better late than never stuff is really starting to hurt. I I say this, I've got young children, but they're so young that the pandemic, I think, has not hurt them too much, even though I don't like the idea that they have never lived in a world without, you know, adults wearing non-anti-science masks. That does bother me. Um, but the, aside from that, you know, I, I, they've been okay because there's a lot of kids in the neighborhood who are home and they all play together and there's almost even a slight benefit in some ways, but, uh, the kids who are a little older and I have a lot of cousins who have kids who are a little older and I, my heart just breaks for these kids who miss sports and they miss being with their friends and they've just been told that they need to go through all these things that are completely anti-science to deal with a virus that. It really would not have even been the end of the world if they contracted, um, and that is just something that I'm uh, I, I'm deeply disturbed about where that's going to go from there. The Vatican also said something I liked, saying that there is a parallel pandemic caused by lockdowns. Explain, Dr. Tom.
2: Well, that was I and mean, it was it, the message was very similar. It was two different documents came out the same day, obviously coordinated, uh, but this idea of a parallel pandemic, and again, this is this is the one that's imposed by decisions that human beings may rather than the, the the virus itself. So this goes hand in hand with the question of the school closings and the, and the vulnerable children to say that, generally speaking, there that the fallout from this economically, people's loss of livelihood, uh, the breaking up of families, suicides, uh, mental depression, all these things that we know have, have come along with this are a parallel pandemic and one that actually is mushrooming to something much bigger than the actual people whose health has been compromised seriously by the, by the virus. So again, a very helpful message. Uh, it it was funny because the, the Vatican also, felt the need yesterday to make a a clarification they issued a short statement saying this doesn't mean we're against vaccines because one of these two texts said you know vaccines alone will not save us here there's a lot more beyond that and they were very worried at the vatican that this might be taken to and somehow relativize the importance of the vaccine that they've been so uh in favor of so anyway these are these are the messages we've been getting the last the last few days um Dr. Thomas,
0: do, how does how does the um, Vatican deal with religious objections and in particular the sort of lineage uh, to some of the research with the vaccines to uh, the uh, fetal stem cells, uh, pr- particularly with the Johnson and Johnson, but even the uh, some of the other uh, mRNA vaccines have used fe- fetal stem cells, at least if you go back, you know, decades into the research that led up to the research for these vaccines. Uh, how does the Vatican square all that?
2: So exactly a year ago, the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, which is the doctrinal office of the Vatican, put out a notification saying that we had looked into this, which says the vaccines, there is a remote connection with this action in you know, 1973, 74, that it was involved. They do not now contain any fetal cells. It's not, and there's not a direct correlation. This is not in some way promoting it. So they said these are acceptable. Um, but in that same document, uh, the Vatican also said that taking a vaccine or not, receiving it or not, is must be voluntary. So basically, saying that enforcing a mask or sorry, mask a vaccine mandate goes against the the very nature of this vaccine, which is something that people should be able to choose to take or not take. Now, unfortunately, there's been a lot of doublespeak because the Vatican then has gone on to insist that their employees. Uh, get vaccinated, insist then that people who go into the Vatican City State uh, show proof of vaccination. So basically saying on the one hand, it has to be voluntary. On the other hand, if you don't choose to do it, you're not going to be able to participate in in the life of the Vatican City State. So, you know, it's a little hypocritical, it seems to me, Uh, but that's where it stands.
0: Uh, do you have any reaction to Dr. Fauci suggesting and Joe Biden as well suggesting that we have a segregated Christmas where the vaccinated and the unvaccinated uh, are not allowed to congregate together?
2: Well, I, I actually det- I detest that. I think I think it's wicked and evil. Um, there there are no first and second class citizens. It's it, it's an absolutely terrible thing, and I think that they're imposing. And this is just their view. I mean, I I just wrote this week also, I was commenting on a Wall Street Journal article where they've been accusing credibly uh, Fauci and Francis Collins of of confabulating with the media, with Facebook and with other groups to uh, to shut down alternative voices, especially the Great Barrier Declaration. Others who have said that this this is not the way to to treat people. This is going to cause more problems than it's worth. And they're they're trying to enforce a worldview a group think that is based on their own opinions they are not science they are scientists but they are not science and there are other scientists who have other ideas and so i just think this is part of that effort to homogenize everything and to force people into one mold when you know they don't have a monopoly on the truth here
0: uh yeah they certainly don't in fact they seem to have a monopoly on manipulating information in order to try to Uh, bend the public to their will politically, but hey, uh, maybe that's for a a different day and a different conversation. Uh, Dr. Tom, the the Pope is still on encouraging people to take migrants. I don't know who he is left to convince on this thing, but he's pushed for the world to continue to take a lot of migrants, legal and illegal, uh, as a uh, a purely political thing for me, it seems. Uh, it doesn't seem like his thinking's evolving on this, and I do think it, it drastically cuts into his credibility on other issues. Uh, but uh, update me on where we are in the story.
2: Yeah, well, he just had a statement, a very strong statement this week basically saying that, that no nation can exempt itself from its obligation to take in migrants. and, and it seemed directed at Hungary because the prime minister, Prime Minister Orban, Viktor Orban of Hungary, had just said that he was going to uh, deny, he was going to reject um, an EU plea, basically, to Hungary, saying that you are violating uh, EU regulations by not taking in migrants, by not adjusting your own migrant policy. And, and Orban's been great on this from the get-go. He said, we're a sovereign state, and our decision to take in or not take in migrants depends on the, on the Hungarian people. And I think that Francis... What Francis said in his little address there was that in Europe, the brunt of the migrant I- expansion here and, and, the, and the, the arrival of so many migrants is borne by very few states, and I live in one of them, Italy. Um, but basically, saying that everyone has to do their part and share in this obligation, and it was—it seemed very much directed on these states especially like Hungary that are saying we can only, you know, we aren't taking any more migrants. We will help people. We will send aid. We will do what needs to be done uh, to be there for people, but we're not bringing them here and uh, you know, more power to them. But that, that's, I think the budding heads there of two very different ideologies.
0: Dr. Tom Williams, our Rome bureau chief Uh, last one for today. And I'm afraid to ask uh, my, uh, Family, you know, we are close ties. to Italy. My uh, father-in-law is a Italian immigrant. My uh, wife was the number one Italian student at UC Berkeley uh, back in the day. And uh, don't look her up; that's not fair. Uh, but the um, the the we love Italy. We love vacationing there, and haven't been in a while. Um, uh, how are you guys doing?
2: We're doing okay, honestly. We, you know, it's 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 frustrating the the bureaucracy and the way certain problems are dealt with, but you know, people are still generally happy, and uh, at least you you see people, and you can live a normal life if you want to. You know what I mean? It's not like it was when every day you're feeling in your own flesh, you know, some of these restrictions. And We'll see now with the outdoor mask mandate, but basically speaking, we've returned to normal in a lot of ways. You can go out to eat. Uh, we did a little traveling. My wife and I went to Bruges. Uh, Belgium celebrated our anniversary last week for two nights, and, you know, it's a little harder to travel, but it's still okay. Um, so honestly, we're we're pretty upbeat right now about the situation, and and hopeful that some sort of rationality is going to return.
0: Good, okay, good. That's good news and a little slightly better report than I anticipated. Doctor Tom Williams, Merry Christmas to you, and we'll talk to you soon.
2: You too. God bless you, my friend.
0: All right. As is so often the case, you lose sight of some of the biggest issues because things seem bleak and it's tough just to talk about bad stuff all the time, even on conservative talk radio, where so much of the business is inevitably talking about bad stuff. Uh, But one thing is our southern border, which is still open and we're still seeing people flood over. Many of them, you know, they're not sending their baths, as President Trump said and a lot of them have coronavirus as well. It's all very demoralizing and discouraging. It's important to touch base and get clarity with the people who really get the issue. Mark Morgan is one of those people. He ran Customs and Border Protection under President Trump. And uh, as I noted in the opening, he does have a little bit of a silver lining. Some uh, some good news that is worth highlighting. This comes up in the interview as well. Let's play it. Former acting commissioner of U.S. Customs and Border Protection during the Trump administration and the visiting fellow uh, at the Heritage Foundation's Davis Institute for National Security and Forum Policy, at CBP Mark Morgan, Mark with a K, on Twitter. Uh, Mark, great to have you back on the broadcast.
3: Alex, thanks for having me.
0: So a lot to get to, and uh, we'll just start big picture. Um, One of the things that I find very irritating about the the Omicron hysteria and the the uh, fact that the nation is forced to talk about um, the coronavirus over and over again, and the vaccines and the masks, even though pretty much I think everyone's made up their mind at this point on the stuff, is that we do lose track of certain things that I think are uh, really affecting Americans at a broader level, and the border crisis might be first thing that comes to mind. So can you kind of give us a 30,000-foot and where we are right now, and then I've got a lot of specifics to follow up on with you.
3: Yeah, so look, there's a lot to unpack. First of all, I, I, I couldn't agree more. We're not talking about this enough. As I was watching the president of the United States talk about uh, COVID-19 and new variants and how it is, if you don't get a vaccine, you're, you're not a patriot. He, he said that. You're, you're, it's unpatriotic for you not to get a vaccine. Sure. Meanwhile, it's this president's policies that have incentivized 2 million apprehensions during his first 11 and a half months of office. 2 million apprehensions. Another number that's very important, Alex. 600,000 gotaways, that's 600,000 illegal aliens that have broken into our country and invaded apprehension. Why? Because 60, 70% of our Border Patrol resources are pulled off the front line, pulled off the national security mission to process 2 million. Another 400,000 turnbacks that tried to illegally enter, but to avoid apprehension, turned back. That's 3 million, 3 million in 12 months that have tried to illegally enter our, our country. And guess what? guess how many are being tested and guess how many are, are being there's there's a mandate to, to, to be vaccinated zero zero alex so so of, of the three million that have attempted the six hundred thousand that have been successful, the the other six uh, seven hundred thousand that this administration has allowed in that illegally entered, they're not testing them. No, is there nor is there any vaccine mandate for those individuals, and they're being flown to every town, city, and state in this country. On what planet does that make sense?
0: Uh, there is no planet where it makes sense. But if the media continues to not insist that the Biden administration answer these questions, uh, nothing's going to change here, Mark, and this is something that is, there's, there's two very big points here I want to point out. First of all, when you're seeing this level of people who are turning back, this level of gotaways, uh, do we have a sense of how many people cross into the country, it, literally, not according to official data, but how many literally crossed in this year, and how many we anticipate for next year?
3: Yeah, so so by by his 12-month mark, by by January, we are looking at over 2 million that have been apprehended, another six hundred thousand that have evaded apprehension and made their way, another four hundred thousand that have attempted and turned back that's three million attempts of illegal aliens and and, and of the, the the two million that they've apprehended they're released near a million in the united states if you if you come just just think of those numbers J- just the three million that have attempted. That's the say, That's the size of of you know Wyoming, Montana, Vermont, and Delaware combined. Combined, the six hundred thousand Godaways that have evaded apprehension and made their way to every town, city, and state. Alex, that's the size of the entire state of Vermont. It's it's incredulous. And the the mainstream media, not a word when the when the president gets out and talks about the variant and how it's our patriotic duty to get vaccinated. Meanwhile, he knows that he's allowing in. Tens of thousands every single week into this country unvaccinated. And we know that a minimum of 25% of the illegal aliens crossing our borders have active COVID.
0: Uh, of course, they do. And so, what has Dr. Fauci and others said about this? Have they been able to address this at all? Has there been any effort to try to square the circle that you're not allowed to? You know get a, a chopped salad in New York City without a vaccine but you can enter the country illegally without even a test it seems like in many cases
3: yeah so I remember when I was still the acting commissioner of CBP I attended the COVID 19 task force meetings and I can tell you I had a conversation more than one conversation with dr. Fauci when I was the commissioner and I could tell you and I can tell your listeners that he knew absolutely nothing about the southwest border he knew absolutely nothing about illegal immigration he had no clue that they they, they, they not just from mexico but from 150 different countries that they travel through covid hotspots that they're kept in overcrowded unsanitary stash houses violating every single medical guidance that we have in this country for days and weeks and, and, and before they illegally the country he had absolutely no idea about that early on we had to educate him on that and i've heard him speak. that i've heard one question that was asked of dr fauci about that and his answer was dismissive and filled with arrogance he's absolutely clueless with respect to the dangers of the southwest border and what's happening down there that's the last man that should be asked any question about illegal immigration and border security especially as it impacts uh uh, our, our public health throughout this nation
0: did you have any conversation with President Trump or anyone else about how uh, this guy who's in charge ostensibly of coronavirus uh, has no it does not care at all about the virus flowing in from south of our border? I mean, this is one of the reasons why we have a border, Mark, as you well know, uh, is to keep disease out there and keep people with diseases that we don't fully understand and don't have uh, a full sense of how to deal with them. You're not supposed to invite these people in illegally. It's just so common sense. But. Uh, was there anything done?
3: Yeah, so, so so that's a great question, and yeah, so so in March, what what did we do? The first time in history, President Trump enacted Title Forty Two, and this was not an immigration policy. Right? This was a public health policy. It goes directly to your point, Alex, is that when we talk about our borders, this isn't just about illegal immigration. This is about border security, and this is about protecting our nation against the vast, complex set of threats that we face, not just gangs pouring across, criminal aliens pouring across, drugs pouring across. But it's also, just as you said, about reducing the further spread of infectious diseases. But COVID isn't the first infectious diseases that we've run across. Look, measles, uh, H1N1, Ebola. I could keep going on and on. This is critically important. And so the CDC said, hey, look, to further reduce the, the, the introduction of COVID-19 and the spread of COVID-19 into our country, we, we need to stop allowing illegal aliens that have gone through that process that I described a minute ago and, and, and be put in our open-air congregate settings. That, that is going to continue to spread the COVID disease. And so the CDC said, no, we're turning them back. What did this administration do on day one? They said unaccompanied minors, nope, there's a political carve-out. You get to come in, even though science says they can still carry uh, the disease. And when it comes to families – This administration's own CDC concurs with President Trump's administration, said that families should not be allowed in uh, as we're still navigating a global pandemic. What does this administration do? They violate it every single day. Eighty-five percent of families that are illegally entering, they're allowed into the country even though their own CDC says they should not do it.
0: Uh, Mark Morgan is with me, who is in charge of Customs and Border Protections under President Trump. Uh, What do you think should be done to hold people accountable? Uh, First of all, uh, maybe I'm skipping ahead. Um, What can we do? Is there anything that the state of Texas can do? Is there anything that the state of Arizona can do? Is there anything that some of these states that might have more responsible governance, they can do? And then the the next question, um, even though they're somewhat unrelated, but uh, I can get. Two answers from you in a row. Uh, what do we do to hold people accountable if Republicans are able to get back uh, power in 2022? Because it just seems like this is just a, a, a pure corruption, bald face, right in front of us. Uh, what do we do about it?
3: You know, so first of all, I agree, and, and, and actually look, I, I'm not uh, um, I'm not trying to blow a, a smoke your way, but this is why I love talking to you, because you're very informed. Look, this is very critically important. The first question, what can we do now? Well, you, you, you hit the nail on the head. It's about states. Because this president, this Secretary Mayorkas, the chief architect of open borders, they have doubled, tripled down. They made it very clear what their strategy is, and their strategy is open borders, driven by ide- ideological hubris and political power. They don't care about the second, third order effects that it jeopardizing every aspect of our nation's public health, safety, and national security. They don't care. It's about democratic power and and, and their ideology. Again, they don't care about the second, third order effects. So what do we have to do? It's all about states. States are our last line of defense, yes. and we need states like what like texas governor abbott he's already doing it look he, de- he declared a state of emergency he's deployed thousands of dps law enforcement officers in texas national guards he's established operation lone star you know covering all 1400 miles of the texas uh, uh, mexico border he's building the border wall he's doing exactly what the president should be doing but this president has abdicated his responsibility under the constitution to protect this country by securing our borders and governor abbott is Doing it, he just started building the the, the wall that's going to make an absolute incredible positive impact. Look, 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 a quick stat. I know we're running close on time, but but Operation Lone Star, he, he's apprehended over 170 thousand illegal aliens. 2,000 weapons, almost 40,000 pounds of narcotics, almost 900 pounds of fentanyl uh, from uh, Governor Abbott's Operation Lone Star. That's everything that I just mentioned would have gotten past the border toll because they're not on the front line and made it to our country. And the last thing well, is is look, you're sure. right. 2020, 2022 matters, but look, it's much more than an election. The The, the, the Republicans have failed on this as well. President Trump had the the White House, the House, and the Senate for two years, and they failed to pass any meaningful legislation to secure our borders. Had they, we wouldn't be in this problem now, so we have to hold them accountable when they do get back in office.
0: Um, I, I think you're right about this. And um, uh, to evaluate overall how Governor Abbott's doing on this, because I, I was thinking about he's obviously made some big strides. And uh, are, are you very, do you give an A plus, you give a B plus? I mean, is there a, do you have a letter score for how he's doing?
3: Yeah, I, I say he is doing absolutely everything. That, that he can within his power right that's now. Good. He's doing more than, than anything than any other governor. The only thing that the only thing that I will say, and I, I'm very hesitant about this, Alex, because he is absolutely doing an incredible job. Is there is a discussion when you talk about three million, and the, we don't talk about that enough. Again, the two million applicants and six hundred thousand. Yes, it with exactly. Four hundred thousand turnbacks. Three million. To me, that's an invasion. That's an invasion. And so now I do think we should be having conversations about what can the states do now. Usually that's up to the federal government, right, to, to work with other countries to push back individuals to, to a foreign country. Um, that that has not been allowed by the states. But if you look at the Constitution, I think we should be having a discussion right now about can the states do more, actually physically remove illegal aliens that have broken our country back to Mexico and back to their country I think that's a discussion we should start having Uh,
0: what's the state of the border wall at this time Uh, is it is it being dismantled is it just stopped is it just halted is there any part of the wall that's being built at this moment
3: yeah so uh, again another great question so there's two things happening right now first of all Uh, Just recently, it's come out, oh, the, the Biden administration is rebuilding the wall. No, that's absolutely not true. What they're doing is in very small areas, they realize, holy cow. We made a series of mistakes. When they stopped building the wall, they also stopped building levees in key areas. Because under the president Trump, what we did was and it was the smart thing to do. Engineers agreed is that there were multiple areas where we were building the wall in conjunction with levees. Very needed levees. Well, when the Trump, when the Biden administration stopped building the wall, they stopped building the levee. Alex it's extremely dangerous. Yeah, it's
0: this this is pretty genius and I know it predates Trump, but I was down there at the border in 2019 and you can see it. I mean, these things are really imposing and they're also effective for other reasons as well.
2: They, they
3: are. And that's exactly right. And so when when uh, President Biden stopped building the wall, we stopped building the levy. And all of a sudden people are like, "Holy cow, this is extremely dangerous." And so that's what they're doing. So they're coming back and they're just doing what 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 they created this extremely dangerous condition they that they started there that's where they're going to go and finish those areas they're not building wall to actually secure our border again governor abbott is the only one that's doing that the last thing too is there are there are hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars worth of prefabricated steel uh, ballards that are just wasting away along the southwest border and governor abbott this is another point he's actually reached out to the federal government said hey can we buy that? we'll buy that from you to use it they have refused to answer, they refused to work with Governor Abbott. Meanwhile, millions of dollars of steel are wasted away, and one last comment on that. Guess what? Uh, um, they're, they're actually – what are they doing with it? Well, they're, the federal government right now, the estimates from Senator Lanksford's uh, um, review that he did, $3 million a day. Taxpayers are paying $3 million a day to safeguard this deal that is just rotting away to actually not build the wall. That's where we're at, Alex.
0: What could possibly the explanation be, uh, what could possibly be the explanation for having the steel beams that could make the bollard fencing down there and not just erecting them and standing them up and securing the border a little bit more?
3: Pure politics, and here's why I say, this isn't just Mark Morgan's opinion. Let's look at facts. Let's go back to 2006. This is very important, Alex. It's a very important question. 2006 it's called the Secure Fence Act. I really encourage your listeners just take 5 minutes google it, 2006 Secure Fence Act. That is where there was bipartisan support both on the House and the Senate. The over 80% of the senators voted for the 2000 Secure Fence Act, which resulted in what? Building 654 miles of wall along our southwest border, including senators like Schumer and others, uh, including uh, uh, then-Senator Hillary Clinton and, uh, wait for it, then-Senator Biden. They all voted for the 2006 Secure uh, Fence Act, again, that resulted in 654 miles of wall being built, including wall that was still being built in the first uh, uh, years of the uh, um, Biden-Obama administration. And now, all of a sudden, it's immoral and it's ineffective. It's pure politics. It defies a a, a past history, and it defies every single uh, bit of data statistics. Anywhere along the southwest border where they employ the multilayer strategy of infrastructure, technology, and personnel, every measure of success goes up. Our border is more secure, and our country is more safe. That's why I know they're lying to the American people, and this is all about politics.
0: Mark Morgan, former acting commissioner of U.S. Customs and Border Protection and visiting fellow the Heritage Foundation's Davis Institute for National Security and Foreign Policy. Anything else I can plug for you, Mark?
3: No, I'm good to go. Thanks. I just appreciate the time and getting the truth out to the American people.
0: Yeah, my pleasure. Always good to talk to someone who has even more knowledge on the subject than I do, which I appreciate so much. Thanks, Mark. We'll talk to you soon. Merry Christmas to you.
3: Merry Christmas, Alex. Thanks.
0: All right, that will do it for us for today. Again, Merry Christmas to all of you. Do your best to check in with your families and friends. Maybe punch out from the internet and the news for a little bit and appreciate life. This is America, the greatest country that's ever lived. And we still have a fighting shot at saving it if we fight hard every day. But Christmas is for celebrating. And I hope you all enjoy. Thanks to producer Haley for pulling double duty today with producer Greg Evan on vacation. And thanks a lot to Robert Marlowe, who helps me select topics for the opening. And thanks to all of you for, again, recommending the show to friends and family members, picking up breaking the news. And we will see you after the Christmas holiday.